you know the show. You're just the realest sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And what matters to me? Well, second half, baby. It's that time of the year. It's the second half of the NFL season. And this is when you, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. This is when you get it done, baby. whole lot of people got to step it up. Uh, I guess um, there's a few people uh, atop of some divisions that we may have anticipated. But uh, some others that you uh, may have been surprised by. Of course, you listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And um, had some great games this past weekend. I tell you what, boy, that uh, Russell Wilson, man, you know, you, you, you just, <laughs> Russ can only do so much. You got to leave some time on the clock for him to come back again. Uh, Legion of Boom, I don't know what's going on. But uh, something's not right with the Legion. A couple things happening out there. They're not playing like themselves, like they typically play. At the college level, of course, the Ohio State University Buckeyes were very, extremely disappointing. My man, Will, is going to be sure to talk about that for me. Will, are you there? I'm here, Ray. How's it going? Man, it's not going good, bro. I got a, you know, I got a, I got a hangover from... Uh, just hearing about it because I did not get a chance to see it. Right. But, uh, but that was uh, very, very disappointing. Of course, when I say that, I'm talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes losing to Iowa. I got a, I have a family member. I have a nephew who is a graduate, a recent graduate of the University of Iowa. In fact, we went to the graduation last year. And I can't believe I got to put up with this from him. He texted me. You know the young fellows ain't never texting the old heads. He texted me. Right. He was, right. he was harassing me, man. <laughs> I can't. You, you got to fill me in. What happened? You know what it is? Here's what happened, right? And, and I mean, it's simply this. Iowa has 85 scholarship players, too. I mean, what, the, what people realize, and I think most people know, is we got their, we got their national championship game. I mean, Iowa, we hadn't, we hadn't played out there since 2010. Hadn't played them at all since 2013. And anytime you go into Kinnick Stadium, it's a, it's a slugfest. I mean, look at Penn State. Penn State won their on the last play of the game. I mean, there's a, there's a slugfest there. Now, that being said, coaching, play, I mean, it was, it was just a... Oh, man, don't go, don't go to the coaching because, you know, earlier in the, uh, in the year, you and I had a conversation off the air, and I told you I had a few folks that was, that was quietly, you know, communicating with me and was starting to question about Urban. Well, here's, here's why I say coaching. Here's why I say coaching. And then the play, two things. J.K. Dobbins is a dynamic freshman running back, without question. He touched the ball six times. He had six carries. Six, it wasn't like he had six carries for seven yards. He had six carries for 51 yards. It's eight yards a pop. you got to feed him. you got to feed him. Six carries is way, way too few carries for that guy. I mean, J.T. had 14, which, you know, that's pretty standard for, for J.T. Barrett. Uh, game, he's going to get those those quarterback draws and and things of that nature and plays that break down. He's going to run, but J.K. Dobbins has to get more than six carries. And then the play, and now a handful of plays don't 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 change a thirty-one point loss. Don't get me wrong, the, the Iowa Hawkeyes just won the game. But when you see a team on fourth down set up in a punt formation on your 20-yard line, not their 20-yard line. They're, it's essentially a 38-yard field goal. They set up for a punt, and nobody 
saw fit to call a timeout, and then they they basically almost scored. They snapped the ball to the punter, the punter threw the ball to the long snapper, and he stumbled. He was so wide open, he stumbled on the three-yard line. They subsequently scored. But you can't have breakdowns like that. Well, I mean, that's that's coaching. You're exactly right. It's as simple as that. You know, you're going to think about, okay, these dudes are, you know, maybe the field goal kicker can't make a 40-yard field goal, but at the same time, you know, you're supposed to coach the players that at all times, you're always supposed to, I mean, when you go out on the field, that's one of the things that you say in special teams, you watch the fake, watch the fake. Everybody's supposed to know who they got, you know, in the the event that they do fake. Uh, That's something you got to be constantly, somebody's constantly reminded. Just like there's, a, there's somebody who calling the play on the defense. When you out there in special teams, you know, you, there's somebody out there who's a captain. Somebody got to call a play. Somebody, first of all, you calling, you know, you call, it, it, it's, it's punt block, you know, or, or, you know, punt return or field goal block, field goal, ret- whatever, who's out there on the field. Everybody got a responsibility. It's just like when it's the normal offense or defense out there. Special teams, they starters. There's starters that come out there that have a responsibility. That's all. That's, they basically like the kicker because they, they probably some of them are starters. Some of them are not on the regular defense. But you still, that's as important to the game as anything. You, your mind got to be in the game. That's coaching. You're exactly right. That, that's coaching. Coaching got to put an emphasis. Coaching got to put an emphasis on special teams as just equally. How can that happen, Urban? When we just a couple of weeks ago, man, we just had a terrible special teams play. Exactly, exactly. And so I bring all that up. Those are, and then I didn't, I didn't talk about Nick Bosa getting ejected for targeting on a flat-out bonehead play. You can't do what he did. I mean, there's a clear violation of the rule that he got ejected in the first half. Now it was seventeen, seventeen. Okay, let me ask you. Let, let me let me start there. Well, let, let, let's spend a little time on that. Are you saying it was clearly, you know, against the rules? It's my understanding from what I was. Uh, what I've heard and, and had some discussions about that there was an attempt for him to avoid maybe a, a tackle or, or, or some contact with his legs. And so he jumped over and in jumping over the potential blocker or just jumping over, uh, you know, alignment on the, on the ground. He then was at the level where he was making contact with the quarterback's head. Uh, uh, above his head or shoulder. You, you, you feel that it was, it was, Intentional to to jump up that in that area and to make contact in that area. That's what you're. That's what I do. You're, I do because the ball was gone and he. I mean, it was well after the play, well after the play. So you you got to know. You you have to know. And then there was no resistance from the coaches that they knew. Everybody knew that was just a boneheaded play by Nick Bosa. And and then like I said again, these six or seven instances don't change a 31 point loss. But at the time of that play, that was third down. It was a 17-17 score. <laughs> Iowa then has to, if the play stands as incompletion, would then have to punt the ball. But they called targeting. Bosa was ejected. They kept the ball, and they scored. So Nick Bosa, getting Nick Bosa, the player, may not have affected the game, but that subsequent scoring drive didn't help the Buckeyes at all. Well, I, let, me, let, me, let me just uh... – Let's stick a pin in right there. Nick Bosa, the player, yes, his his actions and the results of his actions had a tremendous effect on the outcome of the game because the contribution, the the position production was totally missing once he was out of the game. We got nothing else from that position. But and then you got Sam Hubbard, the All America defensive end. I mean, he's on the ground 
at the quarterback's ankle, holding on, trying to bring him down. The quarterback st- stands there calmly and throws a touchdown pass. you got to get up. If you're on the ground holding on to his ankle and you're not affecting the pass, he was still able to throw a touchdown pass. I mean, just little things like that. No adjustment uh, by the coaching staff at all. And I bring all that up. I brought those things up first, but i got to go back to, 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 to uh, J.T. Barrett. I mean, four interceptions came in the game throwing one for the season. He threw four. <laughs> and it wasn't just that he threw four interceptions. Uh, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at you, Willie, because you know just last week. I know. You <laughs> I know. I know. I know. That's why I started to bring it up. I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't, couldn't wait to hear you say that one. Oh, man. You know I was going to get to you that. Know what? That, that po- it's, like somebody, it's like somebody told me. It's, it's the anomaly of J.T. Barrett. You look at him, and it's like, man, what is he doing? You look at his numbers, and it's like, man, this, this guy is, he, why are we complaining? Well, we're complaining now because every interception he threw, was in the double and triple coverage. I mean, the first one, the pick six, eight, eight seconds of the game, the three-step drop, three-step drop. And you know this, right? You, you, it's three steps. You don't have time to scan the field. You don't have time to go to three pro, three progression. He got to his third progression. He threw the ball up three. The safety read it. The safety stood there and waited on it. It was already two guys there. The, the safety was the third guy came up and, and, and took it. Every pick he threw was in the double or triple coverage. Just can't have that from your your, your senior captain. You just can't have that. No, and that that's uh that that's been a problem. You know, the problem has been is you know when he has been bad, there's been nothing there to make up when he's playing bad. That that shows you how much we how how much we count on his play. You know, we need that production from that position, and he's the man. And and so when when he's not producing. We're not producing, and, and we're not going to win. And, and when he's making those kind of critical mistakes, well, he's, he's creating turnovers. Uh, interceptions uh, are, are something that uh, they are hard to overcome. The mo- majority of the time in football, when you lose a turnover battle, you lose the game. Right. Certainly sounds like we lost a turnover battle without a doubt, and we obviously lost the game. But to put up a – a half a dollar on us, man. They put up 51 points. At some point in time, you know, it's just like when I look at it, you know, even looking at the Packers last night, I still have to say if you don't get the production out of quarterback position, the defense still has to play defense. So I, I will always go back being a defensive player myself back in the day. And that's, you know, we still got to stop them regardless of where the ball is at. If it's first and goal from the two, go to, you know, you still got, you got to stop them. You need a goal line right. stands. So I, right. I, and defense knows that's, that's, that's what they do. You know, special teams basically, you know, they basically change the, you know, field position. But, but defense, you know, they say defense wins championships. They say it for a reason. If you can't stop them from scoring, you're not going to win. And, and so there comes a time where, where you got to have a team that's equally balanced. Sometimes the defense has to win a game. Sometimes an offense has to win a bank game. But they both can't lose the game on the same day. And that seems like what happened to us. It, and that's exactly what it was. I mean, the defense, I mean, we talked about Nick Bosa. Uh, Chris Worley, there was one play where the pass was clearly incomplete. And unbeknownst to anybody but him, he just runs up and just waylays the receiver. And it's like throws the flag, passing it. It's like, what are you doing? That's the that, pass is incomplete. That's, that's nowhere near the receiver. That's that's, that's uh, again, that's coaching, that's discipline. 
You got an undisciplined team. You got a, a team that's being penalized. You know, something's not right. You know, and it's got to start. It's got to start with with the coach. We're gonna start here. We're gonna start hearing some Gruden calls pretty soon. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> all that being said, and we talk about this all the time. You know, I'm 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 very. This is the first time Urban Myers lost more than one game since he's been here. Yes. And so we we talk about all this doom and gloom and uh it's one game. Granted, the national championship is out. Granted, the the, the college football playoff. That's out. That's all but we play for. You got a program like that, or a program like that. That's all you play for. Exactly. And, and for, that's just it. For it to be, and a, that's why for, you hear all of these these cat calls now for Urban Meyer because he, he is no longer enough to go to Indianapolis and play for the Big Ten championship. That's like a given. That's like you know we got our T-shirt on to the next one. It's all about national championships here now. For this year, that's no longer a possibility. So that's why you hear all the, the naysayers coming out. Oh, yeah, and it's the way we've been losing. We've been losing ugly. We, You know, we've been losing against, you know, with the exception of Iowa, you know, the losses that we've had, you know, uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, you know, big-time programs. I don't think I'm not going to put Iowa in that category. You know, we lose ugly. We could be bad. Now we could be bad by Iowa. Real bad. Yeah. Well, that, and like I said, Iowa, I get it. Like, like I said, Iowa, they stepped up their game. I mean, they 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 had us in their house for the first time in seven years. Yeah. And you, you got to think about it. Yeah, they stormed the field. About is Ohio State. Ohio State's the class of the Big Ten. Ohio, so they're going they're going to come up. They're going to rise up and give maximum effort. They're gonna, we, we're, we're getting everybody's A game. And, you know, a lot of it's being said, well, there was a letdown after the Penn State game, you know, so such an emotional win, and it, there was a letdown, and I, I don't know if that was necessarily the case. No, that wasn't the I case. No, wasn't the case. No, they weren't prepared. They were. I don't believe they were prepared for um, Iowa's best shot. And Iowa scored. I think they scored forty-four against Iowa State this year. But if you look at the rest, the rest of their games, they scored thirty-one against North Texas. Then you see 14. They, they beat Minnesota the week before uh, playing Ohio State. They beat Minnesota 17 to 10. Well, and the, then they come out against Ohio State and put up and they drop a 50 bird on us, 50 cents on us, man. Okay, we got to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree.
agree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Real Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Uh, we were saying it real hard there for a minute there, Will, and uh, I had to cut you off. But, uh, and also, uh, Jonas, uh, you got disconnected. So if you're listening and you want to call back, call back. Anybody who would like to call in, I, I'm, I'm taking calls today, 888-346-9144. Tribute there to my man Moses Malone, fo-fo. All right, so, uh, okay, well, so uh, we were sitting hard there, man, with Urban and, you know, and, uh, you know, but at the same time, the ball players got to play, coaches got to coach, you know, coaches got to put them in position to coach and make the best plays, players got to be disciplined. Uh, it, it appears to me that there was a whole lot of stuff that just wasn't happening, a lot of undisciplined stuff, as you mentioned, that uh, Worley, uh, Foolish penalty. Uh, Nick Bosa was kind of questionable, but it certainly affected us. Score was 17-17. You know, Dobbins not touching the ball. You know, know, one thing about Dobbins not touching the ball, you know, we all know, you know, since Zeke, you know, that great game he had where he let them know, man, just feed me. And he ain't stopped getting fed. You know, when it was one thing about it, I was at that national championship game. We played down there in uh, down in Dallas in the national championship game. The thing about it is we kept feeding Zeke the ball. They couldn't stop the play. The fellas I was with, I kept telling them, shout out to my man, Guy Troop. Hey, man, they just need to keep running that same play. If it works, hey, don't don't stop. So we, we, we got some good young running backs. And we anytime you play football, you need to establish your running game. And once you establish, you feel like it's working. Don't don't get away from it, especially when you know JT ain't have. And JT's one of them kind of dudes, man. You know, it's like, you know, when he when it happens to him once, it's gonna happen to him again. I don't think he just has a game where he throws one interception. He got to throw two or three. And so if, if well, you know what, go ahead. Well, you, to that point, I mean, looking at his numbers here, he's still throwing. Averaging, you know, 68% passer, 28 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. So, in totality, he's not having a bad year, but that game, Saturday, you got to be kidding me. Man. Four, four picks, but as far as Dobbins, I don't, I, I don't understand the, the justification of not feeding the ball. I mean, six carries. He's, he's averaging 102 yards a game, and he gets six carries, and he's giving you eight yards a pop when he does get the ball. Yeah. And, you know, the game was still close enough to give him the ball, and I that that 
for the lie. I don't understand. I need some true clarification on why. Well, when you got when you, when you when you got a running back that when you hand him the ball and you know that he can't take it the distance, then that might give you a reason to you know vacate your passing game. But when you put the ball in your running back's hand, whether it be in a screen or hand it to him, and he can take it the distance, you got to continue to give it to him at some point. Some people understand that they got a running back that's going. You know, this ain't no three yards in a cloud of dust no more. We got young boys no. that could that could take it to the house. So you, you got to give it to them and continue to give it to them at all times. But uh, but do me a favor. Explain to the audience, if you will, about the entire performance of the defense. Because at, at, at some point in time, as you said, it was 17-17. Did the defense just lay down? What appeared to happen when you're watching the ball from a defensive perspective? I don't know that there were any adjustments. And I think, well, put it like this. Iowa came into the game ranked 99th in the country in rushing offense. So they, they're not a good offensive team running the ball. They ran for 243 yards against Ohio State's defense. 243 yards. That's, that's effort. That's one-two. That's something that, that you let someone run for almost 250 on the ground, that, that has, that has, that's effort. And it wasn't like it was a scheme. It wasn't like they were running – were we missing tackles? And they were running. Were we missing tackles? Were we missing tackles? You know what? It was just, they were just bad handling. They were just going. Once he got in the open field, uh, Akron Rock, uh, they started. And he just was running rough shot. He had a 30-yard run. I mean, from the point of attack, he was just going. He was just going time and time and time again. I mean, his backup ran for 74 yards. They just did not appear to want to stop the run. And I, I was talking. I wanted to talk about this last week coming into the game, based on the uh, performance J, uh, JT had against Penn State, uh, completing his last 16 passes. I was, I was pass defense was ranked 86th in the nation, and that's what I mean about they got up for this game. Four interceptions against the 86th ranked passing defense in the country. How do you explain it? The, the, I don't know, like I said, Ohio State, did they come in Iowa, just roll with the Buckeye leaves out there and say, we're the Buckeyes, we're going to take this W and take it back home? Well, you, you know, know, well, I, you know, you know there, there's a thing about it is there, there are times where, you know, in preparation for a game that you can use your history and your history can put you to sleep because, you know, you look at historically that this is a team that has not been able to beat you, so therefore you don't prepare mentally for this team like, you can lose. You know, you, you, got, you, right. you, you got to go out and play every game. Like, they, any given Sunday, even get, any given Saturday, you can lose. And so and you got to step into this game with Iowa thinking that, knowing that you, you're the Ohio State University and that everybody that you play every week has it on their schedule from two and three years ago, the day that they play you. You see, when the game was over, everybody in the stands, I mean, they, they swarmed the field. So every it was a, they don't swarm the field after every game. It's when they beat people that has some significance to it. So everybody in the, in the state of Iowa was looking forward to this game, and everybody that came into that stadium, with the exception of those people who came to play for the Ohio State football team, was, was ready for a game. Uh, we must, and all week. Our team must have stayed at home. And all week, all we heard – from Urban Meyer all week was, I'm watching. I'm watching for a letdown. I'm watching for some places to see if I see it. 
I'm going off like a nuclear bomb. And all that's, that's what we heard all week after the, after the big win against Penn State. Uh, I'm watching my guys. I'm making sure we stay focused. Stay focused on the task at hand. Got a good Iowa team. And even at the end of the game, after post game, he was perplexed. He he didn't he couldn't explain it. He didn't understand. He, he didn't understand. He, he thought his team was ready. He thought they did had a good week of preparation, and they just went out there. And again, and perhaps they did. And I'm not saying that they didn't. But what I am saying though is, again. Iowa has 85 scholarship players as well, and they went in there. And I mean, they read the, they read the paper. They watch, as you say, the big boy networks. They they know what's being said about Ohio State being the class of the Big Ten. They won the national championship. They go to the college football playoff. They're the cream of the crop. They're they're on top, and it was their opportunity. But you got to guard against that. You got to be ready, knowing that everybody's coming to give you their best shot. And there's I don't. You lose, you lose. Okay, that's one thing on me. To have a tight game, if it was uh, 17-14, 20-17, something to that effect, perhaps. But 55-24, a 31-point loss, uh, that's Ohio State. That's, that's almost unheard of. No, that's embarrassing. Uh, that's one of the all-time worst victories in the history of the Ohio State University football program. Uh, going on the road and getting and getting whooped like that—that's uh, that's unacceptable. Uh, that's unacceptable. It it is uh, totally wiped the the season out from having any meaningful opportunities in terms of uh, any chance to make the playoffs. That's not happening. We we know that's no. not happening. Uh, you know, Big Ten championship. Uh, you know, I think that's you know just about not happening as well. Um, so. You know, this puts us in one of those uh, situations where we'll end up being at one of those bowl games where uh, they just made up a name. <laughs> just, you know. Um. And you know what? I, I did see, and, you know, being, we talked about this last week, I'm not big on pronostications and, you know, uh, week eight bowl projections and things like that, but I did see they did have Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl uh, versus Central Florida um, after the Iowa loss. That's a possible. I mean, the and Rose Bowl is no longer out because the the Rose Bowl is no longer on the table because you know the college football college football playoff is out, and typically, you know, old Ohio State fans typically look for the Rose Bowl. We can, we can go to the Rose Bowl. Well, this year the Rose Bowl is one of the semifinals for the college football playoff. But if I'm not so mistaken, no longer on the table. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that they still would have a Rose Bowl game. And then have a playoff game because they, they do they they they've done that here in Phoenix a couple of times. There's been a, this has been uh, one of the facilities of which uh, they've hosted one of the playoff games, but at the same mm-hmm. time they, that doesn't prevent them from having their Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm. So they would have the Fiesta Bowl and the college football playoff game ho- ho- host one of the uh, playoff games. So that that could be a possibility. But uh, again, I, uh, I I would hope that that would happen because. Uh, if there's a chance for the Buckeyes to go to the Rose Bowl, I mean, that g- game, the Cotton Bowl, although it might be one I might want to consider because there's family that I would I would attend, but I can tell you now people aren't lining up, you know, to, to get their reservations because they heard that we're going to the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> that's, right. that's, and Ohio State travels extremely well. And, uh, of course, those uh, folks uh, who are part of NC2A, they, they like when Ohio State uh, is in um, – the runnings for 
the college football playoff because they know they travel well. And that's that there's an obligation by the university to buy so many tickets. So right. they, they like when you have teams like Ohio State that's playing. So uh, I tell you what, we got to take another break. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and take it now and get it out the way, and then we'll come back. Got my man uh, Willie Gibson on with me. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Who do you feel the most important person is on a sports team? Is it the captain, the star player, or the fan? While it could truly be any of these individuals, more often than not, it's the coach. Listen for A Coach's Spirit with hosts Blake Rockwell and Kendall Allen. A Coach's Spirit offers a look into the human side of coaching and a chance to learn from some of the most impactful leaders in the game. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice of America's Sports Channel. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Boy, what matters to me? Well, uh, I haven't gotten to it yet, but it is the halfway point of the National Football League. Second half, and, you know, that's when you win the game. That's when you uh, make your run. It ain't how you start, it's how you finish. And uh, it's time for the big boys to step up. But we were talking about some college ball, some big boy ball, and, uh, you know, for the first time, I think, in a long time, if ever, um, Urban Myers finds himself were in a position where he's being questioned, uh, his ability to deliver a, a, a championship team, get the most out of his players, whatever you want to think about is all coming into the conversation. And it's simply because uh, the Buckeyes are losing. And when they lose, they lose bad. It's ugly. And 55 to 24, um, that's just not a, a good victory to be on the record of Urban Meyer, particularly by a team in the Big Ten. That's Iowa, not Michigan, not Wisconsin, but Iowa. And um, so there's some questions uh, that are out there. Uh, can he rebound? Well, if he if he does, it won't be this year. It will have to be next year. 
but uh, the fellas can finish strong. You know, so uh, let me ask you, Will. So, so uh, how do you think the, the fellas will rebound from from this from this uh, from this loss? I think they'll be fine, and you know, to this point, I'm not a better. I'm not a gambler. I don't. To me, the uh, the phenomenon is lost on me. But they they are a fifteen and a half point favorite this week against Michigan State, which again it doesn't make sense to me that Michigan State beats Penn State. On the last second field goal, we lose. Ohio State loses by 31 at Iowa. Michigan State's coming in here as a 15 point underdog. I don't understand, but somebody thinks Ohio State is going is going to uh, rebound greatly against uh, Sparty. Well, I think oh, that I think, I think they're taking into consideration too that uh, Urban Meyer's coming off of a loss, and it's not a bowl game, but it's a regular season game. And and they're thinking that he'll get his team ready. And probably historically, if he's ever lost during the regular season, uh, that they did come back. And so that's probably what I'm going to assume that those people out there in Vegas or wherever they make those, come up with those scores from or those predictions, uh, that's what they're taking into consideration. And, and the Buckeyes, Buckeyes should be embarrassed. I mean, that, that, that is embarrassing. I mean, you could just look down. You could just look down the uh, historically of, of, of games against the University of Iowa, and if you see fifty-five on the board, you automatically assume that Ohio State had fifty-five. Absolutely, absolutely, right. absolutely. I mean, I mean, it was a, I mean, it was a bad loss. I mean, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was a bad loss. But you know, it's Tuesday today, first day of practice. They're back on the field today, getting ready for Michigan State. Um, Michigan State. That's not going to be easy. That's not going to be easy. No. No, no it's not. not no, be. it's not at all. I mean, they're coming in here. I mean, they have a chance. You know, it's a three-way tie right now at the top of the Big Ten East between uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State. So Ohio State holds a tiebreaker over Penn State by the head-to-head uh, win. Now, if they beat uh, Michigan State, Michigan State would then have two losses. So then Illinois and then that team up north, Ohio State wins up. They still go to the Big Ten Championship. Right now it looks like they'll play a, a uh, undefeated Wisconsin team in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. But uh, so it's a lot a lot more football left to be played. You know, just have to, you know, you know rest the bad taste out of your mouth from uh, Iowa and uh, keep it moving. Get ready for Michigan State. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's move on, if you will, and uh, talk a little bit about um – Big boy ball and National Football League had some games last last week, and uh, and some of them were very good. I, I know that um, some things are happening up there in Cleveland, and I think um, they've been talking a little bit about perhaps maybe Josh Gordon coming back. And I think he's he's been uh, I don't know if he passes physical yet, but I think they're at that stage that that's probably the last thing that needs to be done, and uh, and he's ready to go. Um, you think they're ready to welcome back, welcome him back, and uh, put him on the field? Well, he couldn't do any worse than anybody I have up there now, to be perfectly honest with you, right? Um, he is—he's uh, back in the building today. He—he he was able to uh, report to the team, and uh, he's doing some one-on-one conditioning. He's not—it's he, a conditional conditional reinstatement. So yes. he's able to be back in the building today. Uh, he works out, can attend meetings. Well, yeah, to, you know, today's a, today's a day off, so basically he's just right. there. And there's a few fellows that may be right. there getting some right. treatment. Right, getting some treatment. Exactly. He, he could, today is, I'm not, yeah, I'm not speaking about the team, just mm-hmm. him, him, Josh right. Gordon, today was able to report to the facility. Mm-hmm. So he met with uh, Sashi Brown, 
and the front office. He uh, he's able to he's able to work out, attend meetings uh, up until uh, November twentieth is the first day he can touch the field with the team. Mm-hmm. So he's able to practice for uh, two weeks, and then the earliest he's able to play is uh, December third against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Right. And then it, that that'll give him five games to get acclimated, get back in the system. Now along the way, he's continuously subjected to a testing under the NFL substance abuse policy. So he, he's not on wood yet. He's still uh, tested multiple times a day, multiple times a week, and of course has to pass each and every test in order to remain eligible. Now, uh, you you mentioned this, so I'm, I'm going to revisit this a little bit. You mentioned the name Sashi Brown, and of course, Sashi being up there in the front office, uh, and a, a big part of that, uh, you know, front office handling personnel and, and trades and things of that nature. Again, uh, we fumbled the ball last week. Um, it appears that, that that was a mistake that was uh, could have been very easily addressed. But somebody dropped the ball. Who is anybody? Have you heard anything that anybody is taking the blame for? You know, hey, it was, it was my fault. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't get the. I didn't get the, uh, the email in. I didn't get the text in. Is, is 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 anybody taking the blame for what happened last week? Uh, the fumble up there in the front office, uh, and trying to make the trade um, with the Browns. Absolutely not. That's. I mean, just in the uh, short tenure of Fossey Brown. That's not his. That's not his mo. He doesn't take responsibility. It's always everybody else. And when I say it's always everybody else, he doesn't put blame specifically on someone else. He'll just in generality. So well, everyone make, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone misses it. But we uh, we constantly hear each and every time this same response when you miss it, Sasi. Right. And uh, he, he he did speak to the to the media yesterday. And basically said that uh, they started working on the deal too late. But he contradicted himself because he initially said, "Well, we were started working on the deal too late, and we were on the phone with the NFL and guidelines are guidelines, and it wasn't complete by 4 p.m. So they didn't allow the trade to go through." Then he said, "We've been working, talking about this deal for weeks. Now somewhere in the middle is the truth." Either you started late or you've been working on it for weeks. Now, there's also reports, and he absolutely denied that he he wasn't necessarily on board with the trade. Hugh Jackson, the coach, wanted A.J. McCarron, and, and understandably so. He worked with him when he was the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. He, he knew him. He knew A.J. knew his system and thought A.J. would come in and be able to, to win. And the story is that Sashi uh, sabotaged the deal because he thought it was too much. He didn't want to make the deal. Well, well, one thing we know for sure is that coaches coach. Coaches Coaches may have a wish list, but coaches do not make personnel decisions. Unless you've got that title, so you know Sashi could he could that part of it passing on to it being uh, you know Hughes' request or desire. That's all well and good, but we know that you don't make that decision. So that the process of of getting the paperwork done properly, Hugh was not in there. He that that you can't that that doesn't go down. That's above his pay grade. Mm-hmm. But no, but then again, uh, ready to go to the dysfunction of the Browns. Hugh was in the room. 
Yeah, I, I, I understand. But when you say, you know, it's almost like we said earlier about whose fault it was. It, there is somebody's job responsibility based upon your job description that mm -hmm. you do A through Z and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and B is not there that you be the one that makes that trade for Hugh Jackson. So, so that is, he could be in the room. He could, maybe he could just be, again, be adding to the dialogue, but he, he, he's not the one that can pick up the call, pick up the phone or send the text or send the email and it and it work. That's not Hugh's job. That's not no. Oh no, I don't. I don't think anyone was saying that. I think right. But I'm. But I'm saying. But I'm. But yeah. they, nobody said that. But nobody said whose job it was to do that. That's my point. Right. You know, if it's if it's, if the ball is snapped back to the to the holder and uh, it's right there and it hits him in his hands and he drops it and the field goal kicker can't kick the ball, we know that okay, the the holder. He he did it. If it's a, if it's a fumble and the running back's running with the ball, he gets hit. He fumbled. Wide receiver, wide, wide receiver drops the ball, you know. So they, they. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're never knowing this regime in Cleveland like I do. They're never going to admit it was our fault. So that's why I didn't say that. <laughs> they're never going to admit that. That's why I led with what Sashi Brown always says, because he's never. We all know. I mean, let's be honest. We know who it was. We know it was Sashi Brown. He's never going to publicly admit that. Ever. So at this point, I don't even expect it to happen. But we know that. So it's always going to be everybody makes mistakes. It's always going to be, we, you know, it's, it, it was, it's not as serious as it was reported. Well, we all know it is as serious as it was reported because the deal didn't get done. But again, Sasha's never going to come out and say, my bad. I dropped the ball. I missed it. This, this is not going to happen. Now, the one interesting thing that he did say, was we have the support of D and Jimmy Haslam. And I don't know the Haslams personally, but there's no way in the world that I can expect them to be on board with how this front office regime has run this team since they've been in power. No, it, it, it's, it's a reflection on the franchise and on the brand. It, it, it's, it's devaluing the brand. You know, it's, make, exactly. it's, it's making you a joke of the industry. So you, you can't you can't be on board with that. You know, it has to be, you know, if maybe they're not listening. Maybe they don't hear. Maybe they haven't heard. They don't know. But there, there's a culture that the New England Patriots have. You know, the Patriots is almost getting to the point. And, and, and I watched the other day, uh, I was watching um, A Football Life, and I think they, it was the Buffalo Bills story, and they were talking about Jim Kelly. You know, Buffalo, it got to the point where I think they said in the, in the documentary that, of course, there were some people who didn't want the Buffalo Bills to go to that fourth Super Bowl because it's like, oh, man, it's them again. We, we know they're not going to win. It wasn't they felt as if it wasn't good for the brand that is the Super Bowl because they're not going to win. And now it's getting to the point that the Patriots are so good that there are other, you know, fan base throughout the league that they don't want to see the Patriots go back to right. The Super Bowl because they you know they always win they always go they want they want something different the Browns now it's like okay when something happens that's some that's embarrassing or it's it's something that's not good it's reflective of their program it's not a surprise to anybody that's that's the norm for for the Cleveland Browns organization that's not a good thing not a good thing exactly. at all 
So, so, when, is it, so when is enough enough? Uh, well, yeah, it's, it, it, enough is enough now. And, it, you know, it's, it's folks like you and I and, and other Browns fans that said, okay, we've had enough. You know, if you want us to support the team, you've got to give us better. And, and we, we deserve better. We've been there, but that's okay. No more wearing bags on our faces anymore. We don't need to do that anymore. We, we need better. We need to demand more from the ownership. And that's what we're doing on this show right here. We're going to take a break. You listen to Ray the Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my man Willie Gibson on with me, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You hear the music, you know the show. You're Mr. Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters, of course, to me now is it's uh, it's the second half of the National Football League season. Uh, it's almost over. I'm happy that uh, at least one of the teams that I had ex- uh, the opportunity to, uh, to play for uh, is in the conversation of, of playoffs, and, and that's the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm, I'm really happy the fact that uh, they beat the Denver Broncos. It's been a long time since the team that I played for, you know, beat the Denver Broncos. So, and beat them, beat them good, <laughs> beat them really good. You know that, uh, that, that. Did you find that surprising the way that game ended up, Willie? Did you see that game at all, Will? I did. I did. I was surprised. Not that they beat Denver because Denver has uh, tremendous issues at the quarterback position. Uh, Brock Osweiler started, who who collected the check from the Cleveland Browns this week due to a botched Saucy Brown trade, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but um, it, just aff- the it just affirms what, what we were saying uh, a couple seconds ago, that's all. Yeah, and then I'm not going to mention Carson Wentz, who the Browns traded that pick to Philadelphia for them to take Carson Wentz, but then again, I digress. The defense in Denver is tremendous, and I, I, I was shocking. Shocking to see. I, I'm not shocked that Philadelphia won the game. They but put, I'm they put shocked a, they dropped 51 50, points on that defense. Put a 50-burger up on them. Yep. Uh, I, I, that, that's tremendous. Yeah, I, I would say that I, I was shocked. The 50 points to me. In, in the National Football League, period, 50 points is just unheard of. That, that, just, that doesn't happen. 
Uh, you know, right. 50 points is the kind of scores that you get in college or in high school. Uh, when, when you're an underclassman, you're happy to see it on the board because that means you get a chance to get in the game. You know, that, right. that just doesn't happen in the National Football League. And Oswald, let me say this. You know, Osman, uh, Big O was talking. He, he was very confident coming in, going into the game last week. You know, he talked about, uh, you know, taking care of the football and understanding what his responsibility was to do is to take care of the football. Uh, well, enough for that. But he, he went in with, ex- he was extremely confident in the interviews that I saw him participating in prior to the game. Extremely confident. Uh, I, I think he's been humbled. Uh, we saw him out here. Of course, you know he's the Arizona State uh, product. Uh, product. Uh, so I've seen him uh, over the years. Big fella, you know, big arm, just, again, uh, just not able to get it done. But I'm so happy about the Philadelphia Eagles and, and the way they're playing. Um, I, I think they're for real. Uh, every week I want to see them play somebody else. It's just, uh, you know, another way to measure, you know, if they're really – the real deal. And, and they're showing up every week, all facets of the game. They're prepared for it. They're producing. And um, I really just, I, I really see them certainly winning the East. I know they got a date with the Cowboys coming up pretty soon. I know they got a date with the Rams coming up soon, too. Uh, they got to visit both of those places. Uh, but, you know, they beat Denver on the road. They showed, they, you know, they, they can go on the road and, and win some big games. So, uh what other games did you see out there this, this weekend that you were uh, enjoyed watching or, or that you were shocked at the way they turned out? Uh, definitely the Seattle-Washington game. Um, I, the he, Seattle, I mean, Russell Wilson, I mean, what, did, what more can he do? He led the team to lead passer, of course, <laughs> leading Russia, of course. I mean, not of course, but he, he led the team in Russia and uh, just scored a little bit too early. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I agree with you. And, you know, and uh, I, it was several years ago. Uh, it was actually the, the Cowboys. I was watching them play. And, uh, and, and they, they, they were very much in tune with the game. And, and so they had the ball and had an opportunity uh, to go down and score. But instead of scoring, you know, the runner fell down. Uh, I've been a part of a game before where uh, the New York Jets scored a little bit too quickly and uh, left some time on the clock for Bernie to get the ball back in his hands. And, uh, and, and Bernie was able to do his thing. Uh, I, I think that's what happened with, with, with Russell, um, is that you're right about it. They scored too fast. But the defense, I mean, of all people uh, playing this game today, Certainly the Seahawks know about time and, and turning the ball over to, a, you know, a, a, a good team with too much time on the clock. And then also, you know, they went back, and I can't believe that Pete Carroll made that same mistake again. Pete Carroll goes back to that same play that, that cost him a Super Bowl, and instead of running the ball on the, on, the, on the goal line again, he's throwing that same pass, gets the same results out of that pass, gets it intercepted again. So, uh, again, Pete wasn't on top of his game. You know, he, he, I think he should have been talking to Russell about, okay, hey, you know, we might want to run a play here or there to get some time off the clock. That, that's where coaching comes in. You've talked about coaching early in the show when we were talking about Urban. There are some times where you can look at a game and you could definitely say that's coaching. I always talk about the execution of plays that are called being on the player, 
But there are certain things that happen in a game that you can blame nobody except a coach. And, um, you know, Pete had a couple moments in, in, in that game. There are, I think perhaps maybe the fact that uh, Russell did what he did, uh, I think Pete came up a little short on his job. So that was one game. Was there another one out there that was uh, – what did you think? Did you see the Monday night game last night? Brett Huntley, what do, you, what do you think about him? Because I only ask that because, again, in Green Bay – there was another Brett that, of course, got a chance to play, and that was Favre. And when he got his chance, he stepped up and he got the job done. Um, that's a, an organization up there that has uh, good coaches, and they can develop good players, in particular at the quarterback position. But one thing I will say to everybody, and, and I know this young man, Brett Huntley, from when he was a young man, but there's one thing about it. When you, when you play at the highest level, when you're ready or when you're when you're good or when you're great, it it you just play that way all the time. Uh, I think it says something. What I'm seeing for Brett, I'm not seeing what I thought I was going to see out of him. I'm a little disappointed. I, I thought it would be better. I, I thought he could he could win that game last night. I thought he would win that game last night. And and and, and he didn't. I, I don't believe in quarterbacks, you know, they too young, whatever. Dan Marino changed all that, you know. Carson Wentz is his second year. I think this is Huntley's uh, third year, you know. So uh, what would you think about his performance last night and uh, Green Bay Packers' performance as well? Again, the defense didn't show up either. Well, that's just it. I was thinking that as you were talking, I'm thinking, like, well, Brett Huntley doesn't play defense. Right. And that was the issue. I mean, Matthew Stafford put on a clinic. I mean, threw for 361 yards, two touchdowns, 26 to 33. I mean, that – that was the difference in the game right there. You had an experienced quarterback. And as far as uh, Brenton Huntley, I mean, he had a, a decent game. I mean, it's not as, I mean, 26 to 38, 245, had a quarterback sneak for a touchdown. Um, well, I think, I think, I, mean, I what, think John pointed out. He's not ready. Mm -hmm. When I say he's not ready, no one expected him to be playing at this juncture of the season, period. I mean, I know we, we know injuries happen in the league, we know it's the next man up. But there's a reason, I mean, I mean, nobody expected, I mean, this was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers versus Matthew Stafford. Yeah. You know, the gunslinger bowl, if you will. Yeah. Gotta so, cut, I mean, got, he's, got, he's, he's been put in a position to play, but I mean, he's, doing, he's, doing, he's doing pretty well considering the circumstances. Well, uh, I'm just going to say this, man, Will, we, well, I'm going to have to cut you off. But at the same time, you got to be ready, man, when they call your number. You got to be ready at all times, and you got to perform at the best of your ability. Because when you get that, that's how the guys who end up starting, a lot of times you get that break because somebody get hurt. When you get in the game, you're supposed to hold on to that position. Never give it back to anybody else, you know, or at least, you know, make it a, make it a, a hard decision. You know, I, it wouldn't be a hard decision right now if uh, right. if Aaron yeah, could come I, back. I <laughs> back in there. All right. There you go. All right. Well, hey, I hope you guys enjoyed the show out there listening. Appreciate you. Uh, and uh, be sure to join us next week. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Appreciate you calling in, Will. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.